Good evening, Sportsonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglialoro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. Recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. And of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed through all the various podcasting outlets. So as always, thank you for joining us no matter how you join us, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Bullhorn. Rate, like, share, subscribe, do all the things. And we got a good show for you tonight, folks. We will be joined by Dave Hastings in a matter of moments here. We're going to continue the 2023-2024 preview of the NFL season. Uh, We did the NFC and AFC Western divisions last week. We're going to do the AFC and NFC Southern Divisions this week. We may wind up doing the Northern Divisions this week as well. Uh, a few things to talk about football-wise. We Obviously, we have another week of uh, preseason action. Uh, so we'll get Dave's thoughts on that. Maybe a little basketball. Baseball, there's not too much to say. There's not too much to say. I know I mentioned a few weeks on this show how much I hate, uh, or I should say dislike, uh, Sal Licata, I don't know the man, so I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna use the word hate on that one. But um, yeah, no, I, I mentioned it because you know the the Mets season is basically over at this point. I believe at the start of play today, and obviously they're in the playing the second game of a three game set against the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. They did actually win last night. They start today's game eight. Games under 500. We ain't talking about the wild card. We ain't talking about the division. We're talking eight games under 500. Okay? It was a bad season. It was a disaster of the season, doomed almost from the start. I mentioned many times the the, the big gray clouds that were hovering over this team. Um, you know, the DeGrom thing, the Correa thing, Diaz getting hurt. And that was the big one. And then, of course, Verlander starts the season on the injured list, goes on literally hours before the game starts. All of a sudden, they got no rotation. Team forgets how to hit for the first month, month and a half of the season. Never got any starting pitching of any length for any degree of consistency. You saw it for a couple little spurts here and there. And coincidentally, those were the only real winning streaks that the Mets went on this season was when the starting pitching actually did what it was supposed to do. But anyway, we've talked about this before. Obviously, it culminates in the big tear down at the trade deadline a few weeks back. And after that trade deadline, this team completely went in the tank, lost six straight games. And it was, um, you know, even for me, who was fine with them doing it, I thought it just sucked the way they they withered away like that. And I, I will say, after that initial malaise, coming out of the trade and losing those six games in a row, including uh, uh, four games. uh, uh, I'm sorry. uh, The the six game losing streak. Since then they have been better. Now, obviously they did lose three or four to Atlanta in city field. I may very well have been during that losing streak. Wasn't during the losing streak. It was, it was immediately that actually if you look at things immediately after the trade deadline they lose the six in the row and then they lose four of the next six after that so they lost 10 of their 12 games immediately following the trade deadline and here's the thing it was never going to stay that bad the whole season obviously it makes sense to lose if you want to look at it that way because if they get a top six pick then um that is the only way that they they would not be penalized by being 10 spots lower than they would, would have been because of all the money they've spent. But nobody wanted to see that, truthfully. So the fact that they have actually put a little bit of a run together is nice, and you do want the Mets to finish strong. But then you got morons like Salicata out there who feel the need to take this, and they're just desperate for people to pay attention to them. 
because, you know, let, let's be honest, I love the fan and everything, but basically with every permutation of hosts that they put up, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I love Evan Roberts and everything. God damn it. Sal Licata, Brandon Tierney, you're fucking almost, you can't listen to them. But anyway, they've been pushing this narrative that the Mets have the shot at making the playoffs, and I think that is batshit ridiculous. You're talking about a team eight games under 500. Don't talk about getting to 500. Oh, you got an outside shot at the wild card. I got nothing else to say on that one because I'm just I'm just going to completely lose my shit here. But anyway, with that, Dave Hastings is with us tonight. Dave, how you doing? I'm good, my man. How are you? <laughs> I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. Um, I thought you were I'm, done letting the Mets bother you for the year. Oh, it's not the Mets bothering me this time. No, I don't know how much you heard. No, I was talking about the fact. Okay. I, I obviously want the Mets to finish strong. Like finishing with a high draft pick is a nice consolation prize. Just get to 500 before the end of the season. That's all I want. The Mets won three games in a row, and I turned on WFN, and I got Sal Licata going. Mets are going to make the playoffs. Now, you know how I feel about that type of talk about my team anyway. But the fact that it's happening because they won three in a row and aren't 11 games under 500 before, it's like I, I, I don't understand where it is where you have people who are supposed to be lifelong New Yorkers, and yet the big shock value, the big draw is acting like you just got to this state yesterday and you don't know how this shit works. And that just bothers me. That's all. Fair enough. Yep. Anyway, we'll get into some football here. I, I'm not, obviously not going to bore you with baseball too much there, but we'll move to football here. And obviously, we're going to do our preview of the divisions tonight here. Um, but I, 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 I know I saw some Cowboy news over the weekend where uh, Overshawn, Third round pick. I guess he had been uh, pretty highly touted so far. Gone for the season, torn ACL. Yeah, that uh, that was a pretty big blow to Dallas uh, when it came down to their linebacker depth and, and rotation. Um, they definitely uh, Dan Quinn definitely had a spot for him uh, in that rotation and and was an athletic young player that they really thought. Um, had the potential of, you know, being a contributor this year. So does really suck. Um, but, you know, it's a part of the game. And, you know, what are you supposed to do about it? I mean, the kid is is definitely a young talent and somebody that they, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be patient with and, and try to bring back for next year. And hopefully he can, you know, stay healthy and be able to make, you know, make his – technically rookie debut uh next year um mm. but you know it was pretty disappointing to hear and um you know it, it's out of his control what are you supposed to do um so i'm not going to beat up on him or anything like that but i definitely do feel bad for the kid he was excited to play um dallas and the coaching staff were excited to get him out on the field but yeah, just feel bad. Yeah. yeah, it sucks. And especially if the dude could have been a big contributor for us, that's that's going to hurt. But hopefully we got enough to make up for it, and we'll just see what happens with them next year. So, anyway, we'll go into our division-by-division division preview here. We'll continue it. All right, so, yeah, we're going to continue. The division by division preview, we did the Western divisions last week. We're going to do the Southern divisions tonight. And we'll start with the AFC South here. And AFC South is kind of a – I'm going to call both of these divisions divisions in transition. Obviously, we'll get into the NFC West in a little bit. But if you looked at these teams last year, Jaguars were able to pull out the division – uh, very late in the season, I believe the last week of the season, uh, over the Titans, they finished 9-8. and eight. Obviously, they had the big uh, upset victory coming from behind against the Chargers. Titans finished at 7-10. and 10. They drafted Will Levis in the um, this past draft. He fell to the second round. They took him, which was good because all they really had was Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. And obviously, with the, with the talent you have around them, you need someone better there. 
Indianapolis, Dave, I, I believe you said it's seven years in a row having a different starting quarterback this coming season with rookie Anthony Richardson. If I'm not mistaken, that's what you said. He will be the seventh different starting quarterback in week one for the Colts in the last seven years. Mm -hmm. And obviously the Colts will be going for better luck with him this season. And you got the drama with Jonathan Taylor, which took another twist this week. He was granted approval. His agent can seek a trade for him. So you have that. And then you have Houston pulling up the rear. They shot their load at the draft. They picked back to back. They traded up to get the second pick to go with the, uh, the they traded up to get the first pick to go with the second pick. They drafted CJ Stroud and they got Will Anderson uh, to go on the defensive side of the ball. So they're looking to at least try to change their luck considering what it's been over the last few seasons. And you have another new head coach at Houston, D'Amico Ryans. I know everybody has a good feeling about him. But, yeah, to me, this is definitely a division that has been in transition over the last couple of years. You got some new blood in there. But I personally think you got one team that right now is in the head of the pack, and then you got the other teams just hoping to find their footing. What do you say, Dave? Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair way to look at it, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. got two teams that are going to start rookie quarterbacks. Um, and then in Tennessee, like you said, they they took Levis, but I think that's more a red shirt. This is going to be more of a red shirt year for him, as they would like to say in college football. Um, and you're going to still have Ryan Tannehill as your starter there. Um, but Tennessee did bring in DeAndre Hopkins to give them a weapon on the outside. You still got uh, Derrick Henry, who, you know, he may not be the best running back in the league anymore, but he is still one of the top five running backs in the league. Um, so, you know, I, I think you're spot on, right? I think it's Jacksonville and then everybody else. Also to think about Jacksonville added a weapon in Calvin Ridley mm. that I think is really going under the radar. Um, I think that's a, a addition to that wide receiver core with Christian Kirk. Um, who was the other guy everybody was like, oh, you overspent on him that they signed last year? The guy, Evan Ingram. Was, was um, Marvin Jones one of them? I think Marvin yep, Jones Mar was. Yep. Yep. So, you know, you got weapons there. They got, you know, the Etney, the running back, and Trevor Lawrence with another year of experience under his belt. So I, I think you got a lot of positives on the offensive side of the ball in Jacksonville. Um, you've got the, defen the defensive Josh Allen. Uh, in Jacksonville still was one of the best moments of last year's football season when he picked off Josh Allen, the quarterback. So Josh <laughs> Allen, Josh Allen, I mean, you just can't make those types of things up. Yeah. So I, I overall, yeah, I think Jacksonville is your clear favorite to win the division. Um, what I think really makes this division different than other divisions is they, there's not a lot of talent overall in the division. Like if you made, the AFC South one team, pretty sure most other divisions could put together a team that would beat the AFC South team. Um, but with that said, I think they have some of the better coaches. Uh, Vrabel in Tennessee, um, you've got um, uh, the guy that won the Super Bowl with Philly and Jacksonville. Um, oh, um, Peterson, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. You've got D'Amico Ryans now in Houston, who I think – look, I don't think Houston's got the talent to win a lot of games, but Houston's going to beat some teams that talent-wise they have no right beating this year. Um, I still don't think that means they're going to win a lot of games, but I do think they are going to be a game – like they will be a team that you play and you know you played them. Um, and, and that is that – is, that to me is one of those things where – that says a lot, right? And, and I think he's a great – I think he has the potential to be a great coach. Um, I think he has the potential to, you know, help that franchise get things turned around. But I just think you are – yeah, we're in a situation where right now, you know, he, he's got a lot of – they've got a lot of work to do on that roster. They've got a lot of work to do, um, you know, when it comes down to learning how to be a coach, uh, head coach, like so – that's not a team I think you're going to see turning it around right away, um, but it is a team that I think we're going to, you're going to see being very competitive uh, throughout the season. They're just not going to have enough as the year wears on. 
and starting a rookie quarterback is part of that experience, right? So, um, but Tennessee is going to be a tough team. They're going to be the same team they've been since Vrabel took over. And what that means is they're going to run the ball and they're going to play good defense. So, you know, Tennessee is going to be a challenge for, every, you know, anybody that plays them. The Colts, to me, seem very dysfunctional with everything going on with Jonathan Taylor. Anthony Richardson has 13 career starts between high school and college. Um, so he's probably one of the most inexperienced players to ever start an NFL game. And you're going to want, you're going to see those growing pains. Um, but I think he's going to ha- be a fun player to watch. Um, I think he's going to have some highlight plays that are going to make, you know, the top 10 on sports center and, and make him a, intriguing you know if you're in a keeper league like an intriguing value stash for down the road um but yeah i think that and and with all the drama with jonathan taylor and and the best is that they're coming out and they're saying well they want more than what the niners gave up to get christian mccaffrey the niners gave up two second round picks and something else uh more it was all draft capital but they gave up two second-round picks. So that basically means you're telling me you want at least a first-round pick for Jonathan Taylor, and teams won't draft a running back in the first round, let alone give up a first-round pick for a guy that's on the last year of his contract that nobody's going to want to give a big-time deal to anyway. So overall, it, it's just the, the Colts are basically going to be – they're using this as a way to say, well, we gave him a, way, you know, a chance to find his way out but we're not willing to pay him and everybody else is being really cheap and not giving, giving up as much as he he's worth. So it, it they're, they're going to play that game this whole, uh, this whole time. And, and it just sucks for Taylor. It sucks for his teammates. And if anything, I hope the guy shows up and, and balls out, but yeah, the, the, the Colts to me are probably your, your dysfunctional mess. Um, I think they have more talent than the Texans, but, I don't think they have the the direction. Like the ship is not there's not a there's not a direction the ship is going in right now in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that to me that's the biggest intrigue in the division right there. Like what you said about the Titans, I, I agree with you on that. I do think Levis has a chance of seeing some game action this year. I don't think Tannehill has a very long leash. Because if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember if his injuries, but I know he wasn't the starter for a couple games last season. And I, I don't know if that was performance, but I do know when you consider his performance a couple years prior, took a little bit of a back step last season. So I really, I would be surprised if they start off slow, that they don't at least think about making a change to Levis. Obviously, he got a little banged up the other day. I think he's going to try to make it so he can play in the uh, next game in the preseason. So I I don't know if that's going to be a big thing, but I would be surprised if you go through the whole season without seeing Levis starting at least one game for the Titans. I I think things would have to go really right for them. And, but other than that, yeah, I mean the Texans, I think Ryan seems like a guy you want to root for from everything I've heard and seen about him which is something the Texans haven't really had from a head coach in a while. There's a lot to really like about their front office. Or excuse me, there's not a lot to really like about their front office uh, when you see the way they've done things the last few years. So to have a guy there you can actually kind of get behind, that's got to be good for the future. you got two good building blocks there. But, yeah, like you said, not that much on the talent level there. Jaguars did a good job. Colts. Yeah, when I was trying to do the standings for this, that is a big thing in terms of how you look at the Colts this season because I know the attitude, oh, you could take anybody behind a decent offensive line and do and, and he'll do well. We talked about it, though. You can, but you can't always do that. And Zach Moss, who was the next man up for them, he's nursing a broken arm right now, and they got two other guys who I'd be surprised have taken any – in-game snaps uh, on offense. So that's going to be a big issue. But, yeah, I, and it's, it's just ridiculous to me. You got this guy, Taylor. You don't want to give him extension, but you want other teams to give you first-round picks, multiple high picks, whatever it is. Don't you think you just devalued your own player by basically telling everybody you're not giving him an extension? 
So why are they going to give you those high draft picks for him? Well, you're not going to pay him. Why the fuck are we going to pay you like that? Exactly. And that, yeah. it, but like they're going to, the way they, you know, they'll report it to the media and people that ask him questions, they're going to be like, well, we tried our best to give him a, a, somewhere to go that he wants to be. Like they're going to use it to make themselves look good. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to be the case at all. Anybody, yeah. that, anybody that has any concept uh, of, you know, what is happening to the running back market will be well aware of, of the, the game that the, the, the Colts are playing. Yeah. And it seems to me like they could say we're trying to get him where he wants to be. It seems to me he wanted to be in Indianapolis and they just didn't want to pay him. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just me. I don't know. But we could talk about that one forever. So I think with that, we can go into our projected standings, how we see the year going for the AFC South. Dave, yes, I will be keeping track of this again. You want to go first? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I think we're probably both going to agree Jacksonville is going to take the division. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to put Jacksonville at 11 and 6. We always start off the same. We did last week. This is the third division now. We've started off the same. All right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I we'll go with great minds think alike for that. Um, Absolutely. I will put Tennessee in second at. Seven and ten. All right. I will put you give me Houston at give me you know what? Give me Houston and Indy both at five and twelve. <laughs> nice. All right. So, like I said, I I also put Jacksonville at 11 and 6 there. I will say, by both of us putting Jacksonville at 11 and 6, that means we both think they're going to finish with a better record than the Chargers this year. Just wanted to throw that in there. So, we got that. Uh, I also have Tennessee in second place. Um, I put them at 9 and 8, though. I was a a little more generous there. Um, I've... I'm just going to be interested to see, because I do, like I said, I do believe Levis is going to get into some game action. And with the weapons around him, I, I don't see any reason why that's not at least attainable. And I was, I was a little more generous to Indy. I, I wanted to go higher on him, but I put him at six and 11 on this season. I obviously there's going to be grown pains for Richardson, but that's another team, decent offensive line and good Skilled players around him, the running back position, obviously notwithstanding. Got some good wide receivers there. I do think he's going to be exciting to watch. So I'll give him six and eleven. And yeah, I got Houston at five and twelve, just like you do there. All right, I'm all right with that. (laughs) Beautiful. All right, and now we'll go to the NFC South, and again another division. Clearly in transition. Uh, obviously, the Bucks in the last season of Tom Brady went eight and nine, made the playoffs, lost in the first round. Um, so there was that. Carolina comes into this season. Bryce Young, they took early in the draft. So he it was announced he's going to be their starting quarterback. Obviously, Tampa Bay also just named Baker Mayfield as their starter. And you have New Orleans who Derek Carr is now the starting quarterback. Jameis Winston, they they oddly kept him. So maybe you see him at some point this year, but Derek Carr is going to be starting for them. And then you have Atlanta. I, I, I don't know what the plan is with Atlanta. I don't think they know what the plan is, but it does look like Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke competing for the starting quarterback position there. So with that, and all three teams that were not Tampa Bay finished at seven and ten last year. So definitely not a good division, but uh, at least one that will likely be competitive amongst themselves. What do you say, Dave? 
<laughs> That's probably a great way to say it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to make out of the, the NFC South. <laughs> I mean, New Orleans, Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, both quarterbacks that have shown a lot of potential. And yeah, both quarterbacks that have, you know, if we're being honest, really disappointing careers. Um, so I, I don't know what to make really make out of them. I don't know whether to expect, you know, uh, a, a, a winning season or to expect a, you know, five. Well, they can't do 500 anymore. Thank God. But I don't know what to expect. I got to be honest. So. I'm going to say when I look at this division, I mean, Baker Mayfield starting for Tampa Bay. So we can already say they're, they're screwed. Um, <laughs> you look the, the rookie quarterback in Carolina, I mean, that team has a lot of growing pains to still go through. And then look at, I mean, ah. Uh, <laughs> It's a hard one. You know what I mean? Like it, it really is because you sit there and you think to yourself, like these teams have some talent, but like Atlanta, I, Desmond Ritter, really the guy. I mean, I love the rookie running back that Bajan Robinson. I mean, that kid I think is going to be special. I mean, he's probably going to be the only rookie that's taken in the first round this year in, in fantasy drafts. I can see that. But I, I uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think this is an ugly division when it's all mm-hmm. said and done. Um, and based off of that, and based off of coaching, I, I mean, I think I think I'm leaning towards New Orleans as my favorite, um, just simply due to the fact that they have veteran leadership at the quarterback position, um and guys that have actually shown that they can play decent football. But I don't think any of these teams are really good. But one of them yeah. is going to the playoffs, probably over a team that's better than that. Uh, that's better than them. Um, yeah. I mean, there's I, like, it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, I could talk all, you know, the NFC South is, or AFC South is full of headlines and, and all this. The NFC South uh, is kind of quiet. So I just, uh, yeah, I don't have much faith in, in any of these teams. I, I don't think any of these teams are really going to be very competitive. And I don't think any of these teams are going to be much when it comes down to, you know, impacting the league or blowing anybody out of the water or anything like that. Mm. Well, the the only thing I'm going to throw in there, and this will, this will probably uh, – tip you off as to which way I'm leaning. I don't know if it's a hundred and this might be me being an idiot and that's fine, but I don't know if it's a hundred percent certain Baker Mayfield outright fails this season in Tampa Bay. Cause I look at that team and I, I still see a lot of guys who were there during the Brady years. And I, I I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say Mike Evans and Chris Godwin like, I know he had some decent wide receivers in Cleveland. Obviously, he had Beckham, Jarvis Landry, you know, um, Amari Cooper. I don't know that any of them is a better one-two punch than Evans and Godwin is. He's still got somewhat decent offensive line. Hopefully, they're healthier than they were last year. You still have a pretty good defense. I don't know. I just think all he has to do is not suck. And I want to have a little faith that Mayfield can at the very least not suck. Be a little crude about that. No yeah, faith, though. Huh? Don't give me much reason to think he can't. He won't suck, though. I mean, everything we've seen out of him, the guy ends up sucking. He finds <laughs> a way to play well and making dumb mistakes that you don't understand why. And. To top that off, you're also going to sit there and think about the fact that, like, that offensive line is pretty good, but they they kind of fell apart last year. Mm. So I it's hard to look at them and, and genuinely believe that they can turn it around, but 
I do see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, I mm-hmm. see what, you, what you're saying. I'm, I'm going to go one thing to your point. It, it would I, I would have a lot more confidence in this if someone other than Todd Bowles was the head coach. Like yeah. that. Yeah, that doesn't help either. Nope. Nope. Doesn't help anything. I'm just hoping there's a little more professionalism in that locker room than Baker's used to, and hopefully some of that rubs off on him. Because I don't really have faith in the Saints. I like Carolina. I think I'm curious to see what Bryce Young is going to be. I just I don't know if that's the, the if I had to pick a good landing spot for him. I just I don't think that would have been the place. And it's like. If those are the other choices, I, I think the path is there for Mayfield to have somewhat of a rebound season, even if it's not a great season. But what do I know? I'm just a simple bird lawyer. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Did you have anything else you wanted to throw in, or you want to go into you want to go into picks? Uh no. There's re- like I said, there's really not much to say about this 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 division. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So with that, I'll start off for this, for the picks. I mean, like I said, I kind of gave it away, but here's the deal. I got Tampa Bay and New Orleans tied for the same record at nine and eight, but I will give the advantage for the division to Tampa Bay there. I just, like I said, I think, I think those are the teams that are going to be competing for the top of the division when all is said and done. I just I, I'm going to give a slight edge to Tampa Bay because you still got a lot of players on that roster with the championship pedigree. So there's that. Carolina, I will say they take some steps forward. I, I will think uh, I do think you'll see them compete within the division early in the season. I don't know if they'll be able to keep it up. I have them at seven and ten, which you know that's the same record they had last year. I think you'll still see an improvement there though. Just by the fact that, you know, Sam Donald isn't their quarterback. Anyway, um, Atlanta, no, no, no hope for Atlanta. Four and 13. We'll go with that. Let's hope they don't ruin B. John Robinson before they can get to the point where they can actually surround him with some decent players. Yeah, it's not like Ritter gave you much to have faith in last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played all right, but I mean, like, I think about the fact that they have Kyle Pitts on that team, and dude, like, I mean, yeah, he, he's had a thousand yards, but like, he really hasn't done, he hasn't been like a game changer mm-hmm. like you thought he was going to be. Yeah, not a Travis Kelsey like impact, or even a George Kittle like impact who can really dominate the game when he gets going. Yeah, or like at least force defenses to to adjust. It. I don't know, man. Um, but all right, yep. yeah. So- yep. I got New Orleans at ten and seven, uh, uh, winning the division. Um, so give me New Orleans at ten and seven. Give me Tampa Bay at eight and nine. Give me. Atlanta at five and twelve, and you know what? I'm going to do it again. And Carolina at five and twelve. <laughs> I was going to say you're really putting Carolina behind Atlanta. I mean, I really I don't have much faith in either one of them. To be honest with you, I just faith. Yeah. I was leaning more towards Atlanta, like maybe being a touch better because they do. I mean, like, again, Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson, like they got some playmakers on that offense. They don't have much on that defense. And then like, and then a second-year quarterback who really didn't do much in his first year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, rolling, that, I'm rolling with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Fair enough there. I mean – not too, not too much to really say on that, but yeah. And of course, the second I say that we've agreed on three consecutive top guys in the division, that's that's where we go different. So I should have kept my mouth shut on that one. <laughs> Just to see how long it would have gone. Hey, you do, you, you, you do what you got to do and you hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
All right. Did you have anything else football wise you wanted to bring up tonight? Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is set to play in the final preseason game to get a couple uh, drives in, maybe one or uh, maybe two drives. Um, I mean, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world, but I also understand why they want to do it. Um, they're playing the Giants too, so your typical Giants Jets, you know, preseason game, which you know everybody uh, tends to enjoy for the lo- local area. Um, I, I uh, will say, like, I, I don't know about you, like, it, it's not a big deal if he's only going to play one or two series. Fine. Just remember, there was a time where uh, Rex Ryan put a uh, Jets starting quarterback in against the Giants, kind of same scenario, and we got uh, Geno Smith season out of it. That wasn't very good. <laughs> that is a valid, my friend. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, like, you know, injuries suck. And, yeah, that's really about it. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. And I, I don't know. I haven't been keeping up on all the fights going on at the joint practices there. What What do you think about the fights at the joint practices? I know earlier in the offseason, Travis Kelsey, I saw a video of him punching somebody at one of those practices. And then I, I heard his brother Jason Kelsey got in a fight with someone at, a, at an Eagles joint practice uh, either earlier today or yesterday. I I don't um it, it the these guys are are the some of the most aggressive men in the world. I mean I, I the fact people are surprised they get into fights is mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't put much stock in it. I think I thought it was more interesting that the Cowboys got into a fight a major fight with each other. Um <laughs> But I also think that's one of those things where, like, you just get to the point where you're like, I need to hit somebody and not have to worry about getting yelled at for doing it. Mm. What do you think about all the criticism Dak has gotten? I, I, I guess it started when the there was there was video of a conversation be him, between him and I, I think it was Trayvon Diggs. And I guess yeah. Trayvon Diggs was talking and very animated to him. And everybody made it out like, oh, you can't talk to your quarterback like that. Anybody who talks to a quarterback like that, they don't respect him. It's that big whole thing. And I, I've just seen a lot about Dak hate recently. And I I know I don't feel that way about him. I know you don't feel that way about him. I, I, I feel like he's a respected leader in the clubhouse. I've never looked at that as an issue. What do you make of that? I think I think it's people looking for clickbait and nothing more because there's not a single person that goes in that locker room, interviews Dak Prescott, plays with Dak Prescott, used to play with Dak Prescott, coach Dak Prescott, or anything along those lines that's ever said anything. The biggest attribute that man has had since his rookie year is his ability to be a leader. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think it's nothing. And honestly, to me, all it tells me is that this Cowboys team has a lot of confidence and a lot of swag. And and if you're not shit-talking each other, why are you playing sports? Um, so, I mean, do we not remember the last dance? Do we not remember how Michael Jordan talked <laughs> to his own freaking teammates and it led to six championships? Like, you want guys pushing each other. Michael Parsons came out and says he tells Dak every morning before training camp practice starts, I'm coming for you. That's the way it's supposed to be. Exactly. So, and that the and and this team, for the high fly, you know, the last two years they've been top five in offensive yards per game, top five in points per game. But this team rests its hat on on what that defense does and, and wins and loses based off of that defense for the most part. Um, so, I mean, to me, look, if Dak doesn't turn over the ball like he did last year, they're they're probably bound to win close to twelve games again this season. Um, and that's, you know, they, they've never won three. They've never had three years in a row winning 12 games. Um, you know, they had their first road playoff win last year. Like, to me, they're building. Uh, that's what Mike McCarthy's been doing. Um, and there's nothing about this team that makes me look at them and say there's no reason that they shouldn't be playing the Eagles, 
right up there with the Eagles and the 49ers for the best team in the NFC when this year is said and done. Whether they make a Super Bowl or even an NFC championship game, there's so many factors that go into that. There's no way to know. But yeah, I, I don't I think that those storylines are nothing but clickbait to get, you know, because the Cowboys are the number literally the most valuable franchise in the world. Um and, and they are the easiest uh team to talk about to get people to click because whether you like them or or hate whether you love them or you hate them it don't matter you're interested to hear what the hell's going on with them no not very true very true i really hope it leads to you know deep playoff football because i'm tired of these one and outs and everything we've talked about it before and i'm sure we'll talk about it again they got to get to the conference champion, or at the very least, get out of the division round. Yeah, they, they this year, if they fall short of a conference championship, with how weak the NFC is, it's nothing more. It's nothing but a disappointment. Mm-hmm. No. All right, so I think with that, we can move off of football. Do you have anything basketball wise you want to bring up? Seems a little slow this week. Obviously, still in the off season there. Anything basketball-wise? I mean, yeah, James Harden do an interview and say that he doesn't trust Daryl Morey and he'll never play for the Sixers again. He just got fined by the league $100,000 for his comments. Okay. Did we? I, I could have sworn we talked about the comments last week. I know I just saw that he got fined for him, but we did talk about the comments last week, right? Uh, what, what, where he had his little speech in the middle of some, like, Punky yeah, park. yeah. <laughs> so they rolled out the hundred thousand dollar fine uh, just the other day. Yeah, and the players association is going to fight that one. No, no, you don't get to fight that one. Like you can fight it if you want to, but you, no, you probably deserve to be fined a lot more. But I'll tell you this, and I think we brought this up last week. If he's if his camp is right, and Daryl Morley really did promise to take care of him financially. And then they didn't give him anything. That that's a big problem. So they're both wrong. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, like, and honestly, I think the spin on this story is more for somebody like you, who's a Knicks fan, because <laughs> there's been plenty of rumors about Joel Joel Embiid being somebody the Knicks would love to target. And I mean, if this dysfunction's happening, does he really want to stay there? He trusted the process. He did what they asked of him. Uh, how long do you stay? How long do you hold on? Mm. And also, you put him on the Knicks. What's that mean for them? We, we, I mean, the team that they put, they put on that court last year was a competitive team and made the playoffs, won a round. Um, it lost to the, the destined Miami Heat. Um, still lost, And I think that series still won six games. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, that to me is where the intriguing stuff comes up. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I'll say this. I, you can agree or disagree. If Philadelphia trades Joel Embiid, you're you're right. The last remnants of the process, right there. You think of everything Philadelphia went through with that process, and all the bad years, and all the iterations of the process before it finally led to something, and you let him go. I, obviously the the sun will set and rise the next day and all that stuff and everything will go on. But I just think if I'm a Philadelphia sports fan and went through all that, and then I see them trade Embiid to a division rival. And yeah, I would, I would definitely want Embiid on the Knicks. I think anybody would. If I'm Philadelphia and I, I see the last remnants of that process going to the Knicks and I got to go back to the doldrums and and hear uh, about uh, another process because we got to start it all over again. I I think I would be done. I think that's a lot to ask from your fan base. I uh, yeah, I don't think you're wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. But I think it's an interesting scenario, and I mean, it just sounds like I don't know if Daryl Morey is, is what you know Harden says he is, but it doesn't. The guy doesn't seem to have much. Like, nobody's coming out and supporting him. That, mm-hmm. to me, raised the red flag. It's like, 
Nobody came out and was like, no, nah, Maury's a stand-up guy. He's a good guy. Like, I don't know what Harden's thought. Like, nobody. That, to me, is where the red flag is. Mm. Yeah, and it is crazy because the flip side to that, too, is, like, Maury and Harden, all the years they were together with the Rockets, just seemed like – and Harden's the one – who, who you know demanded his way out and everything, and it just seems like before that, at least, they were on the same page and everything. And then obviously, Maury thought enough of him to to reacquire him. Maybe, maybe he did have to um, embellish some things about what his future plans were to get him back. If it's a situation like that, it's. I don't know. It's all speculation at this point. But, yeah, the fact that nobody came out to defend him, that's well said. Yeah, definitely raised the red flag. That's for damn sure. But, yeah, I really think uh, overall basketball-wise, I mean, that's mm – -hmm. I mean, you have um, the FIBA World Championship going on. Team USA came out and ended up winning that. Uh, so, I mean, you got that. But, I mean, that's really the only – I mean – I don't know. I feel like in America, we don't really pay much attention to that. So, Not anymore. I think, I don't know, maybe this is ju just me. But I feel like since the initial dream teams, I think when you look at the teams that get sent overseas, I mean, God bless them and everything, hope they do well, represent the country, all that. But it just, it doesn't feel the same in terms of the star power. Like, I get the rosters now in Olympic play or FIBA play, what, what, whatever, it's all on the world stage. They're a little more specialized now than they would have been on, like, the first three or four dream teams. And I think that specialization takes away some of the star power. Well, yeah, I mean, they definitely are aiming to create a more balanced roster now. Mm-hmm. But I also yeah. think part contributed to the fact that, like, we realize that, like, European teams can beat us. I think that's really what, what causes that, right? Like, I think it's one of those things that you're like, oh, shit, these guys actually, like, they can beat us. Mm. So we need to, you know, step up and do whatever. And I think that's what kind of makes it less intriguing. But also it seems like the more – Big name stars and veterans just have less interest in playing in these tournaments now. No, not uh, very true. With you, mm -hmm. no. All right, I got one. I got one thing for you actually because I I saw this one. I guess it was yesterday. Lonzo Ball goes on uh, Trey Young's podcast. He's going to miss the 2023-2024 NBA season recovery from cartilage transplant surgery in his left knee in March. Hasn't played a game since January 14th, 2022. If I'm not mistaken, the, the Bulls got a half season out of him before these knee problems really started flaring up. And I, I guess he'll have one year left on his contract if my math is, connect, is correct there. Yeah, played 35 games in the first season after he signed a contract. What What do you think about this year, uh, Lonzo Ball out for the season? Do you, Do you expect to get anything from him for that contract when all I mean, is said and done? If you follow the Bulls, they knew he wasn't playing this coming season for before last season ended. Um, so that the news of that wasn't a surprise to me. Um, what sucks is that when he was on the roster, they were the number one seed in the East. That would be a big problem, yeah. That, that to me, is the part that sucks. That he, he was the floor general that they needed and, and fit exactly where their biggest hole lies. And now there's literally nothing they can do about it. And it just that, – that, to me, is the part that sucks. If he's on that roster, I think they're competing with the best in the East without a problem. I, I still don't think they beat, you know, the powerhouse any of the powerhouses in the West. Like I don't think they would have beaten, you know, Denver, um, and won a championship. But to be competitive and and you know compete for one, 
that's a lot further than what the hell what the hell they were this year. Mm. Uh, I want to read the quote he's got right here, and it, it kind of makes me feel bad for him in a way. Here, it's going to be a big what if. I feel bad just for the Bulls GMs because I feel like I'm like they made the perfect team around me. I felt like that was the most I've ever been involved in an organization. And I finally got the perfect team that I felt like I could fit my game and play my way and really just do what I wanted to do. That injury, I'm still going through it right now, but that one messed me up early because I felt like we had a chance and never got to see what it was, unquote. Yeah. Like I said, he got hurt. They were the number one seed in the East over Philly and everybody else. But he went down, and they they ended up like a fifth seed, got knocked out in the first round, and didn't play at all last year, and they couldn't even make the playoffs. And you'll probably see something similar this year. Hmm. Yeah. Well... Just a sad situation, so I feel for you on that. Even though it is the Bulls, I'll 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 uh, push for you on that one, like you do for me with the Mets. So, hey, the only thing I the only positive that came out of this was not having to hear from his dad. Yeah. Oh, it's it has been nice that he's gone on the back burner a little bit for both his sons. I I think that first year was just it was just really a lot. So the fact that he's kind of shifted into the background, great. Fantastic. Yep, not complaining. That is for yep. damn sure. I think all our mm. lives are better without having to hear him talk. Yeah, and I I think the biggest worry for everybody was that he's going to get involved in negotiations, and you're going to hear this and that, and he stayed out of it. He's done the right thing. So I think he got his lesson with the Lakers, truthfully, because I, I get the feeling that they were not going to take his shit. And when he got jettisoned um, uh, after that, because I think he got traded once and then he signed with the Bulls in free agency, I think that whole process, something something changed with him. I think he finally figured out, oh, I need to shut my mouth and just let my kids play. Fair enough. Anyway, I think with that, we can move off of basketball here for tonight. Dave, I, I don't know if you got anything else, but I, I just remembered what I b- wanted to bring up to you earlier in the show. I know you were never the biggest Mike Francesa fan, but I got to be honest, because I'm going through having to listen to the fan and what it's been reduced to now and all that shit, he was on a couple of the Barstool radio shows yesterday. And I got to listen to some of them. I, and if you get a chance to check it out, I think you'll get some entertainment out of it. Because I found them to be very funny. Just seeing him in the barstool world. And it's like he, his son apparently interned there over the summer. So he's like telling him about like Frank the Tank and shit like that. And he did a 10-minute sit-down. Mike Francis a meeting Frank the Tank the first time. It's like Steve Irwin entering the wild. Look at this fucker here. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. If you get a chance, I would advise checking it out. I uh, I will keep that in mind, my friend. I mean, honestly, that guy talk kind of gives me a headache. But but you haven't heard him in a while, so maybe it'll be different. I don't know. I anyway, I, I, your point, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet money on it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> if you get a chance, even if you just see the part where he's interacting with Frank the Tank. It's it, it's pretty funny because he's like playing along with everything. I I thought it was, I got a kick out of it. Anyway, I uh, did you have anything else sports wise you wanted to bring up tonight? Uh, just shout out to Spain. Uh, they won the women's uh, World Cup. Um, so shout out to them for doing that. I actually think it was the first time they ever won the women's World Cup. Um, I could be wrong, but I think that's the case. Um, so shout out to them for that. Um, women's, uh, the U S women's national team, they fought, they fired their head coach. Uh, so I think the full world of transition is now taking place where their older players are, are moving on new head coach. Um, so I think that's interesting. Um, uh, let's see. Not, but I think that's it, my friend. Hmm. Fair enough. All right. Um, 
pop culture wise, there have been a couple things that I have been meaning to bring up here for a few weeks. But for whatever reason, whenever we get to it, I always wind up forgetting about it. So this is about three weeks old. But I want to do this uh, because I, I hopefully you're with me uh, on this, Dave. Um, no, I'm not going to say a big part of my childhood. But, you know, when you hear that a certain someone dies a few weeks ago, uh, I, I wanted to do a little something here. So this is what we're going to do. Rest in peace, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, I remember. I heard about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, did you hear that uh, the place that has like the or the like the dinosaur or whatever they like painted him in in Pee Wee's outfit? Oh I yeah, that, I think I did hear something about that. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I I want to bring this up. If you think about it, one of the first canceled celebrities in American pop culture, and when you look back and think about what he got canceled for, it's batshit ridiculous at this point, isn't it? Oh, considering some of the things these other celebrities <laughs> done? Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty fair statement, my friend. <laughs> he was just keeping to himself. He wasn't bothering anybody. Anyway. You got all these mm -hmm. other celebrities touching other people. He just touched himself. Seriously, in a in a fucking in a in a porn house with no lights on. Let let's cancel Pee Wee. Okay. Anyway, um, I did not really have that much pop culture wise to bring up tonight. I don't know if you have anything you wanted to bring up, but I will say one thing because I've been meaning to say this one for about two months. I know you ain't really uh, in on the Star Wars shows and everything, and I think Ahsoka is actually debuting tonight if I'm not mistaken. But have you seen the trailers for that at all? Uh, yeah, I saw the trailers for it. Okay. Not a bad guy who's in every trailer with the red lightsaber and everything. Uh-huh. His name is Ray Stevenson. I mention him because one of my favorite shows of all time is called Rome, and he was Titus Puller on that show, so I've always been a big fan of his. He also played the Punisher in that movie, Punisher Warzone. He was in the G.I. Joe sequel. I know he's been in other shit, but that's the only stuff I remember him in. He died about two months ago. I never got the chance to bring it on this show because I completely forgot about it. But rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. I can't wait to see what he's going to be in this Ahsoka series because he's a great fucking act. I'll tell you right now. I, I, I know you've probably never seen it before because it was a show that was only on for two seasons before it got canceled. Oh, Dave, Cousin David is correcting me. He has an orange lightsaber, not a red light, lightsaber. I am so sorry, Cousin David. How, how dare me? How dare I? Um, but if you ever want to watch just a really good show, it's only maybe 20 episodes in the whole series. They're long episodes. But they're good episodes. Rome, fantastic show. Takes place during the time of Julius Caesar. Um, what's what's they, I mean, you've seen like just about every actor who was on that show because they've all gone on to do other things. Syrian Hines, I believe, is the one who plays Julius Caesar. Guy who plays Mark Anthony is fucking great, but he played Titus Polo, and I think the other actor's name, Kevin McKidd, played Lucius Varinus, and they were the two everymen of the show. And the shit they do on the show and the historical events that they make it that those guys actually cause, it's fucking great. Love that show. Rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. Well, rest in peace, man. I yeah. uh, can't say yeah. I know it, but I do know. Um, I've been watching. I just started watching the fourth, fourth and final season of Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. So that's the most up-to-date thing I have for you. Oh, okay. I, I've heard that's a really good show. I just... Yeah, I've I I haven't gotten Amazon Prime in a very long time. I know cousin David keeps telling me to do it for the boys. I just haven't. That's a good show, though. It it is a, it is a very good show. But I will be honest, your cousin's right. The boys alone would make the monthly subscription worth it. <laughs> the only Amazon Prime show I got into for a season because I know I had it for a lot. I think I had Amazon Prime for like a month, like three or four years ago. Have you heard of that show, Hunters with Al Pacino? 
Yep, they uh, did a second season of it. I didn't think they were going to. Yeah, I didn't really think they were going to do a second season either. I know they did the second season. I did, I did not go back to watch it. I watched the first one because I knew he was in it, and I actually I liked the um, the, the 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 story, everything. Um, I I was fascinated by that. The the way it ended, though, I I I I, I do want to see that second season at some point, but uh, that ending was uh, was different. It was it was very haunting at the same time too. Yeah, um, I mean, it's like I kind of want to go back and watch it again so I could like because the gap between the two seasons was huge. So like, there was definitely some moments where I was like, I feel like they're making referencing something from last season that I don't remember. Mm. Did you watch the full second season? Yeah. Oh, okay. What What did you think about it? Was it good? Yeah, it was good. It's just there was definitely some gaps in, in my memory of what happened in the first season <laughs> that they were high end. Mm, gotcha. gotcha. All right. Well, if you have nothing else, sir, I think that will do it for us here tonight. Thank you, as always, to everybody listening to us on the various podcasting outlets, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Bullhorn, rate, like, Share, subscribe, do all the things, and we'll get out of here for tonight. Let's do final thoughts. Dave Hastings. As always, my friend, it's a pleasure being here and uh, looking forward to next week. Yep. Thanks as always, Dave. Always a pleasure being able to do this with you every week here. And I am Mike Agliolauro. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you all next week.